Good morning. I loved the opening that Sandy gave us today about the pearl is a healed wound created by the outcome of struggled grit inside an oyster. And don't we all have grit in our lives? The Word of God, the Bible, promises that God's going to take that nitty-gritty dirt part of our lives and clean it up, and he's going to make a pearl. God finds us so worthy. We are his pearls. The promises found in the Bible assure us that our wounds of hurt and shame and disappointment and pain will become healed wounds. Not that they might be, they will become healed wounds. Oh, moms, that gives us such hope within our hearts. When I was pregnant with Stevie, Steve asked me what I would like as a gift. I loved pearls, and so he gave me pearl earrings in the hospital. And then my cousin's partner worked at a jewelry store, so when Stevie was 10 weeks old and we took her north to West Virginia to meet the family, and we bought the pearls. So when Matt was born, three years later, Steve asked me what I'd like, and my answer was immediate, that I would like to take my strand of pearls, and could we please make a bracelet? Well, a few weeks later, when Matt was born, he asked for my pearls, and I said, no. I was strong-willed. Imagine that. (laughs) He politely asked me again, can I have your pearls? And a little bit more emphatically, I said, no. So I said, honey, I said, they're my only jewelry. If you take them, I have nothing else to wear. So we go back and forth, and he gets really mad at me. He says, blankety-blank, Vicky, just give me the pearls. I looked at him. He said, I wanted to surprise you and get you a new pair of pearls and make a bracelet out of the old pearls. Well, I took them off, and I handed them to him. Why did I tell that story? It's because the Lord can take an icky situation and turn it into a good situation and give us hope. Because hope is believing that something good comes out of something bad. Why do we need hope? We need hope to get through a trial. We become overwhelmed. The Word of God encourages us to run the race with perseverance that is set before us. We are to never, ever, ever give up. Giving up lets Satan, and as you know, I never capitalize his name. I always use a lowercase ace whenever I'm writing Satan's name. We cannot let him win the battle. We want to hit the rug and pray on our knees until hope takes residence within our heart. I love Mark 5.36. It says, Do not be afraid. Just believe. Beloved, let us not focus on what we cannot do. Let's focus on what we can do. Over the past 37 years, I have filled three Bibles I had my first Bible that I call the Naked Bible. It has nothing in it, no concordance, no notes, no nothing. So I filled it up until the pages started falling out. Then I bought the second Bible, which 
The first one goes to Stevie. The second one goes to Matt. This is my third one, which is my favorite. And you can sort of see here. I think it has about three rolls of tape inside. But this is my favorite Bible. And then I wrote, I have number four. I guess three and four will go to grandkids someday. But I want to share the hope that the Lord is giving me and all the notes that I have written on those Bible with my children and my grandchildren. And that is the purpose of sharing these Bibles, my Bibles, is because we ask you to bring your Bibles today. So if you did bring your Bible, open it up. First off, go into the New Testament and then go to 2 Corinthians. If I'm going too fast, some of the verses are on the two happy heart pages. That's a picture of Leighton Harper, by the way, my first and only little grandbaby with her static hair and I don't care picture on the happy heart pages. But if you open up to 2 Corinthians 1, we find that there are three reasons that the Lord gives us trials. The first reason is in verse 4, and that is the Lord is our source of hope and comfort, not man, no friends, not our husbands. The Lord is our source of hope and comfort. The second reason that we have trials is found in verse 9. We have trials so that we can help others with the help that the Lord has given us. And then the third reason that we have trials is found in verse 11, and that is when our prayer requests are answered, we can go and give the glory to the Lord and not take it for ourselves. If you go forward a few chapters to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18, Paul has been torturing the Jews. God intervenes. And never forget that God's intervention is hope for us. God blinds Paul. He can't see. He forces him through his circumstances to admit that he is wrong. The scales fall off of his eyes, and he shares with us 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 through 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is temporary is seen, and for what is eternal is unseen. We undergo trials so that we learn and we grow. Seasons of growth always come when we go through a challenge. It's wise to ask God when you're going through that challenge, what are you trying to teach me? And how do you want me to change? It's not pleasant. Sometimes we undergo a trial and we don't know how we're supposed to change, what we're going through, why we're going through it. But don't forget that sometimes the Lord uses our trials and what we undergo to help someone else that's walking alongside us. Learning and changing through the trial, the pain of the trial, is more important than trying to figure out why am I going through this. We have to focus on what God is teaching us. We have to, let's go backwards in our Bible to Romans 8 and let's see what God wants us to do. In Romans 8.25 it says, we hope for what we do not yet have. 
We wait for it patiently. So see, we have to hope, and then we have to wait before we get. As we struggle, our faith is shaped, and we are assured that there truly is light at the end of the tunnel. There's hope. The Lord is never going to leave our side, and he is our hope. He is our refuge. We are to respond to God's little nudges. He wants us to trust him. If you go forward to Romans fifteen thirteen, we see that the Lord turns tragedy into triumph. I like this. It's sort of like a ta-da moment, that the Lord is our hope infuser. In 15.13, he tells us, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there's 1 Corinthians 10.13 that assures us that we never undergo anything that somebody else has not already undergone, and he will never give us more than what we can handle we think we can't handle anymore, and lo and behold, here it comes, just more weight upon our shoulders. But the Lord never gives us more than what we can handle. If you go to Genesis 50, it's put about the end of Genesis, the middle to the end of Genesis, is the story about Joseph. And Joseph was his father Jacob's favorite son. He had a younger brother, Benjamin, the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph's brothers were very, very jealous. They kidnap him, sell him into slavery. He goes all the way to Egypt. He finds favor. He gets thrown in jail. He finds favor again. He gets thrown in jail. He interprets the king's dreams. He gets out of jail, and then he becomes overseer, second in command to Egypt. And the reason that the Lord did this was to give hope to the people of Israel to get them out of where they were, back into Egypt, and to save them. If you look at Genesis 50-20, I love these words because they're great words for hope for us. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What man intends to do for us, mm -mm, don't go there. Because God lets us go through that trial because he's going to give us more hope and he's going to make us stronger and more courageous. And then we will be able to help someone else with that hope that he has given us. If you go to the middle of your Bible and then back a little ways, you're going to find Lamentations. It's just four chapters is all that it is. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet that God made the prophet for Israel. And the reason he gave all these words to Jeremiah was to let the people know how disobedient they were so that they would change. But the people did not listen to Jeremiah whatsoever. They mocked him. And because of their disobedience, God took them into Babylonian captivity, which is today's Iraq, for 70 years. Jeremiah wrote Lamentations 3 when the people threw him into the pit. And his words reveal such hope for us today. Genuine hope is assurance from the Lord. If you look at Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 22, it says, Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have 
hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Who is God good to? If you look at Lamentations three twenty-five, we see the Lord is good to those who put their hope in him. God doesn't toss us aside forever. We might feel like we're in a pit and we can't climb out. But in verses 31 through 33 in chapter 3, the Lord says, Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to his children. The Lord teaches us in a trial that sometimes we need to change. It's not easy, but we can do it. In Lamentations 3, verses 40 through 42, he tells us, Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Trials are simply an invitation to LJS OAO, And that means to let Jesus stick out all over. If you go forward in your Old Testament to one that's a little teeny tiny book, it's three chapters long, Habakkuk. And there's two verses here that I like to sort of flip-flop. They're 2-1 and 1-5. And I have written this on sand buckets before. I've written it on post-it notes verse cards on so many places because it gives me hope whenever I discovered these verses years ago. 2.1 in Habakkuk tells us, I will stand at my watch and station myself upon the ramparts. I will look to see what he's going to say to me and what answer I'm going to give to my complaint. Years ago, I find out that my complaints needed to become prayer requests. So I took a little note card and I cut it in two. And I gave our pastor, Dave Doris, at the time, it was 1995, I gave him this, and he said, what is this? Turn complaints into prayer requests. I said, this is to keep me accountable because I'm complaining too much, and I'm not content with my lot in life, and I need help, and I know that if I give the other half to you, I'm going to be a little bit better at it. So it was a good, it is a good reminder that when we complain, turn it into a prayer request. Then if you go back to Habakkuk 1.5, it's really neat what it says. It's such an encouragement of hope. It says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Ah, I want to be amazed, utterly amazed. Don't you all? That God is doing something bigger and will usually take longer than we ever expected. We're short-sighted and we just want instantaneous answers. And we forget, hey, everybody goes through a trial. None of us are exempt whatsoever. God sees the big picture. And he's always doing more than what we think that he's doing. God's will will never be thwarted. He's in control, not me, not y'all. 
I pray our suffering causes us to turn to where hope is found, and that is simply in the Word of God, the Scriptures. Please put your Bible on the kitchen counter and leave it open. And if you underline something, who sees it when they walk by? Our husbands, our children, our children's friends, and they know what's important to us. This is where hope is found. I can't, I cannot even begin to describe that enough. I don't have time today to explain to you how I found the book of Lamentations, but it's an unbelievable story, and it came out of when one of my friend's children committed suicide. But I found that book because Lamentations was written in a pit. And I was in a pit, and I didn't know where to go. So I said, Lord, this is the pits. I don't know what to do. And he said, Vicki, who wrote something in a pit? And I went, Lamentations. I went and read it. And those words have infused our family with hope for over 20 years. If you go to the middle of your Bible, to Psalm 119, 114, you will see that God is our refuge and our shield, and we need to put our hope in him. Psalm 25, 15 tells us, My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he is going to release my feet from the snare. God rescues us. He is our hope infuser. Suffering allows us to see a long-term gain for short-term pain. If we go forward to Proverbs thirteen twelve, we see that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Your Bible contains the tree of life for your heart so that your heart will be a wellspring of life bubbling over for your husband, for your family, for your friends. I hope, I pray, that one verse struck a chord within your heart today and you'll go home you can't wait to get home and write it down on a note card and you put one in your purse and you put one on your bathroom mirror and you stick one in the console of your car and use it at a stoplight verse is what I call them and when you're sitting there at the stoplight read those verses with your babies so that they can hide the word of God inside the word of God is never ever going to let us down the Lord teaches us to sing in the darkness He brings hope to his people undergoing trials. God provides a fresh encounter, not just for today, but for our tomorrows. God is good all the time. Because when we water and we wait, we'll see.